and welcome to All in IT Radio. Join us as we talk about everything related to information technology and some other random stuff as well. Help us as we try to find how IT relates to each and every one of us and what the story headlines really mean. show was recorded at Friday 24th of June 2011 and once again we have gathered in our All in IT radio podcast submarine and we have hauled the anchor, we have put up the periscope and what else you do on a submarine. It's not yellow but we are really happy to be here and we are in this case me Kenneth and you have me Henrik as always and we have another person me Johan that's new here oh great the new guy <laughs> the new guy another person we can make fun of Ooh. here at our all in IT radio submarine so wh- what are you doing here who invited you hmm <laughs> you just called <laughs> Splendid. Now that's a good answer. That's a really good answer. And we will get to know you more in the coming show. We will talk a bit about who you are and what your interests in life are, but we'll talk about quite a lot of other things as well. Do you have any examples, guys? Yeah, the Nokia Migo system and uh, I have a little thing, a little thought about uh, Windows and Kinect. And we will quickly mention the new Firefox 5 release. True. And what Microsoft think of that. And when we talk about Nokia and Migo, we will probably get into a lot of trouble by branching out to subjects that are tightly linked to that. But we have to try our knowledge about cars and other such interesting technological things. Mm. So what do you say? Anything else to say in the intro? Or are you ready to rock this boat? Well, ready to sink this boat. (laughs) (laughs) As it's only two life vests, I think that's a very good idea and we'll leave Kenneth behind. So let's go! (laughs) No! I want to come along. Please. (laughs) Do you know how, how you sink a Norwegian submarine? Yeah, you swim down and then knock on the door. (laughs) How do you sink it again? That I don't know. You swim down to it, you knock on, and they will open and say, Oh, come on, you don't think we're getting it on that twice? (laughs) You are terrible. Anyway. As always. (laughs) True. Let's get this boat underwater and let's get this show on the road, people. Yep. Here we go. Here we go. Go, go. Hello, my name is Johan Sjöberg. All right, Johan Sjöberg. Let's talk a bit about you, shall we? Who are you? Do you want me to lie down on my sofa too? Now, I'm a 32-year-old, married, with no children, and uh, I'm very interested in all that involves uh, tech, computing, and other stuff. I try to read as much as I can from the internet, and uh, not blowing my brains out. What kind of technology are you interested in? Is it just anything, or 
something specific? Uh, more or less anything. Uh, more specific, I very much enjoy mobile phones and uh, anything that is handheld, but uh, more or less everything. If I find some kind of magazine about technology, no minding what it is, if it's cars or if it's uh, uh, power plants, I find it most of the time very interesting to read about. Okay. What kind of computer user are you? What operating system do you use? Windows, and just because it's always included in the delivered PC, and I spend too little time learning about how to get to know, know something else, since I find most of the time the hardware more interesting than the software. Alright, so you are a mobile computing expert and you like hardware. That's interesting. Just let me ask you one more question about Windows. Which version of Windows do you use? Um, my own PC has, it runs XP and my wife's is running 7 and our HT PC is running 7. Okay, so you still have an XP box running back home. Yeah, it's familiar and easy. <laughs> <laughs> But let me ask you one question, because you said you were interested in mobile phones. Do you have any favorite brands in the mobile phone world? Well, I'm very into uh, HTC. Uh, I have had two of that brand, and uh, I've read about it since they started making Windows Phone, although I would never have bought one. Mm. But I'm extremely satisfied with that brand, All right. and especially interested in Android, nevertheless what brand it's having, just Android in general. All right. And it seems like you and Henrik might have something in common with that interest for technology in cars. Well, we might have. We'll see about that. <laughs> All right, which is the best car? I like um, very much different cars. Are you asking for a brand name or a model name? Mm, both. Whichever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I want conflict. I don't care. <laughs> I'm very into Lexus right now. Lexus? But because of their technology using electric petrol... Electric engines? Yeah, electric petrol engines mixed. Oh. Hybrids? Yeah. Hybrids. Interesting. I don't know anything about that. And Henrik, what do you say about cars? You like Japanese cars, don't you? I can't say I really like any Japanese cars more than others. But it's hard to answer what car is the best, but... I would say the car brand name that interests me the most is, for the moment, and has been for quite some time, the Swedish brand Saab. Mostly because of their design, but also because of their development on the technique side, on the IT side. The latest concept car included some kind of operative system based... Android interface. Yeah, exactly, based on Android. Icon or whatever what it's called. Yes, that's right. It's really interesting. Yeah, and I find most of what Saab does in, with the software uh, appeal and what they make of it in their cars, is, it's very fascinating. I haven't so far seen any other car brand that has done the same. So that's why they interest me for the moment. I know two things about Saab. No, three things. They are a Swedish company, that, that much I know. And I know they are good at making tractors. And I know that they did not pay their employees last month. That's about it. Tractors? Yeah, you yeah. know. What did you get that from? Those things that plow the fields. I haven't seen a solved tractor, but I may be way off. Are you thinking about Scania? 
when they cooperated with them, with them? I don't know. Because Scania makes trucks, not tractors. Every Saab looks like a tractor to me. Well, you're a tractor face. Alright, we have to check his site. Will you book appointment for the eye doctor, <laughs> Henrik? Yeah, I will. Sure. Good. But for the moment, we can simply settle on, Kenneth, you're wrong. So, let's get on. Perhaps I need Gunnar's glasses. You surely need. <laughs> Alright, no, I, I have no interest at all in cars. But I have enjoyed a lifetime of mocking people who love Saab, so don't mind me. Well, I don't. That will be easy. <laughs> it is easy. But th that was rather interesting. You mentioned that they have some, and I think the term is IVI, in-vehicle infotainment. That is a system which is meant to inform and entertain. It's a horrible word, it's a horrible phrase, but still, that's what they use. And they base this on Android, so that if the kids in the back seat, they can look, they can watch a DVD or surf the web through an Android interface. And in the front seat, the driver, he can look up uh, GPS coordinates and stuff through the Android interface. Is this true? Yes, more or less, and uh, do different settings. They also include mobile how to use the mobile phone Bluetooth and connection to your mobile phone, yeah. right? And uh, radio, sound, whatever that is, through radio and through CDs maybe, and or you have a hard drive in your car, or um, setting how you want to use your, your AC units. Alright. I haven't heard anything about this. What stage of the development is this? Does it exist in any car you can buy today? Is it only Saab who produces this uh, this interface, who uses Android in these systems? Yeah. Do any of you know? As far as I know... From what I... Um... No, as far as I know, Saab are the only uh, brand so far that has done something based on uh, a system as Android. And it comes from themselves. Yeah, exactly. But I don't think they have integrated this in a... Uh... A working model, yeah. something you can actually buy. Yeah, exactly. They used it in their last concept car, Phoenix. But this is very interesting, and it ties very well into the topic that we actually wanted to talk about today. And perhaps we should just slide right over to the main topic. What I know about IVI in-vehicle infotainment systems, like this one that you mentioned, running Android in a Saab, mm -hmm. that I learned reading about the Mego operating system. All right. Yes. Because Mego is an operating system that is not only targeted at vehicles, but also phones, of course. Yeah, but it's not, not only phones and vehicles, any kind of uh, display, more or less, that's, uh, that you look at, that you interact with. Exactly. Any embedded system. Including TVs and uh, True. touchpads. Yeah. True. Henrik, do you know the story of Mego? Can you recapitulate it? I'm not sure I remember it correctly, but I'll try. Nokia and Intel started working on an operator system together, based on Linux. And the original operator system was called MAMO. M-A-E-M-O. And that's what they're implemented in their mobile phone N900. But then later they continued developing on MAMO and 
I'm not sure they must have implemented something else uh, when they branded it Mego. I don't remember that correctly. No, no, you're you're on the right track. But okay. Mamo was Nokia's system. It was based on Linux. Yeah. And it was a phone operating system. And as you said, Mamo. But Intel had their own Linux system made for embedded devices, and that was called Mego. No, it wasn't. Sorry? That was a new name. What did Intel call their system? Oh, well, I, I remember it. So what they made uh, was a fusion of Mamo and Intel system. So Mamo was Nokia's from the beginning. More or less, yes. Yes, that's true. All right. I'm trying to find what the name was. Yeah, me too. Same here. <laughs> and nobody finds it. Moblin. There it was. Oh, okay. That's it. So Intel had a Linux operating system named Moblin, Nokia had a Linux operating system named Mamo, and they merged these two and created Mego. And Mego was thought to be the next great operating system for all kind of handsets and embedded devices like in-vehicle infotainment systems. Yeah. But it didn't actually go that well, since Nokia was the only handset manufacturer, the only mobile phone manufacturer that was on board with Intel in this endeavor, the only hardware manufacturer. So they bet everything on Nokia's promise to deliver Mego phones to the market. All right. But as we all know, Nokia hired a new CEO, a new boss, who previously worked at Microsoft. Yeah. His name is Elop. Yeah. And Elop one of the first things he did was to scrap everything connected to Mego and invite Microsoft over and say that, sure, Nokia will make only Windows Phone 7 System 7 System 7 phones. Yeah. That's Microsoft's operating system. It's called something like Mobile Phone Windows 7 System 7 Mobile Phone System. Something like that, I believe. So Nokia will release only... Windows 7 phones in the future together with some Symbian phones which is their older operating system which we talked about earlier it was based on the Scion computer operating system which was named which I don't remember either whatever so Symbian will live on Symbian will live on on the simpler phones from Nokia. Yeah, only on the 40 series, not the smartphones. Exactly. The smartphones will only have Windows Phone 7. Yeah. But there were some phones in the making. They were actually trying to get these Mego phones to the market. And one of them has just been announced. The Nokia N9. Have you seen the announcements? Have you seen the pictures, the movies? Yeah, I have at least. It's not a new... They've been leaking pictures since last year. August, September last year about this phone. Maybe they're trying to do the best they can, but nevertheless it's taking too long. They're doing a very good phone, but they can't spend this much time from an almost finished product to a actually market-released product. That's my initial response. So what will happen with it? Well, I I think it's some sort of fusion or mixture of the N900 and the N8 which run on Symbian as far as I know and well it was quite weird of was it Stephen Ellop there were rumors about him saying that 
in the future we will not use Mego on any other phones and we will not support it. And he was saying that just about a day after the initial official press release of the N9. And that's kind of weird if you want to promote your products to say that, well, we won't use this operating system anymore after this phone and they haven't released it yet. Yeah, that's quite right. The only one I I think I've heard of other except Intel talking about MIGOS operating system is LG. I'm not, I can't find articles, so I'm not quite sure. Okay, interesting. They were showing TV sets with the MIGO operating system, but if a large company like um, Intel can't get the manufacturers with them, it doesn't look good, especially when Nokia has been talking about MIGO since, was it January 2010? Or was it before? I can't remember. I think it's even earlier, but don't quote me on that. When they started using MIGO or what? Yeah, they were beginning to talk about Migo and the joint venture with Intel. Yeah, well, the N900 was released in late 2009, and it runs on Mamo. Mm. So I think it was sometime around there when they launched N900 that they started to discuss with Intel about the fusion between their operating systems. So when N900 were launched with Mamo, I think Migo was in the buzz. Well, it sounds about right, yes. And it's quite interesting. I, I read a comment, I think it was in the Ars Technica article, that what Nokia has released isn't even pure Mego. It's really Mamo, but with a Mego interface on it. Okay. So it's 100% compatible with the Mego interface. It looks exactly like Mego, but it's still Mamo underneath. Mm-hmm. So it's some sort of hybrid built on the legacy MAMO 6 code. But what was the big thing when they made the Fusion and created Mego? Because I, on my N900, are using MAMO and I've only used it. So I haven't really experienced Mego at all. But what's the main difference between Mego and MAMO, if you know that? Well, I know that Moblin and MAMO use different package managers. So they had different systems for managing installed programs and such. All right. One of them were based on RPM and one of them were based on Debian, I think. Mm-hmm. I-, I think it was as easy as that. Okay. So Moblin was based on RPM, that is Red Hat's package system. Yeah. And Mamo was based on Apt, Debian's package management system. Yeah. And Mamo was... Mamo's interface was based on Qt which is a Nokia technology which they bought. They bought a company known as Trolltech that developed the Qt libraries, which also KDE is based on, to take another example. And Qt is a very good cross-platform library, which means that you can develop, you can develop an application on your desktop and very easily run it on Mamo, yeah. since it also is dependent on the Qt libraries. So what Nokia and Intel did when they try to merge these systems is that they took more or less everything from Moblin under the hood and its interface and package manager but they used the Mamo Qt libraries to create Mego. So Mego is essentially Moblin but with a Qt interface on top. Alright, so more Moblin than Mamo. Actually yes because Nokia had to give a lot of slack to Intel to get them to use the Qt 
libraries. All right. Mm. Okay. So Migo is a fusion of these two, but as I said before, Nokia didn't even release a pure Migo phone. But still, the N9 is compatible with the specifications for the Migo interface. So it looks exactly like Migo. Mm. Mm. And I don't know. I th- really think that Migo is a good operating system. I like the thought behind it. Yeah, sure. It's but idea is, the idea is excellent. It is. It is an excellent idea. And it's very much more open than Android is. Android is, even though it's based on Linux, quite a closed system. Google has a rather tight control on it. But I think that where Mego will succeed is in the area we talked about before, the in-vehicle in infotainment area. Okay. There is something called the Genevieve Alliance, mm-hmm. and I've had a talk actually with a few people who are from the Genevieve Alliance, and if you go into their members list and look what companies support the Genevieve Alliance, which goal is to get Mego to be a competent in-vehicle infotainment system. That is what the Genevieve Alliance is about. And the companies that support this, that's Intel, of course, but also ARM, which is the other great processor creator. Yeah. And we have Peugeot, Citroën, Jaguar, BMW, Delphi, Wind River, I don't know who those are. We have... Let's see, Mitsubishi, Renault, NVIDIA, Nokia, of course, Texas Instruments. Let's see, we have also Clarion, Digital Airways, Frontier Silicon, GM, Honda, Greenhill Software. Let's see, it's a lot of names here. LG Electronics, Nissan, Pioneer, Qualcomm, Samsung. And about three times or four times as many. And those are the companies that support Mego as a real IVI solution. So these are companies that will use Mego in their cars. And you heard there were a lot of car manufacturers yeah. there. So, But they haven't produced a car yet which has Mego in it. And they haven't shown anything at all actually. No, they haven't. So that's why I'm interested in what Saab is doing with Android. Are they actually doing something yet? Or is it just talk? Well, we can't know because as probably everyone more or less in the world knows, Saab is on the verge of complete breakdown, it seems, unfortunately. Because building cars and doing things with engines and so on and so forth, they've always been good at. But if they can't produce any cars, they well... It's going to be split up and sold off, probably. Yeah. So maybe that's what will come out of this, unfortunately, I say as a Swede, that Saab won't exist as a car company. All the pit bits and pieces will be sold off to different places just to save everyone's behinds. But yeah. in that case, Icon definitely will become an operating system, uh, part of the infotainment part of cars with more than just in one car. Yeah. That's what I think. And I think that was mainly the big problem with Saab or IS. They're not dead yet, but they they put so much money and resources and time and energy and effort into 
research. They made great concepts, they made crazy ideas, they they were first in many areas, well, have, have been during the decades with different things that has later been implemented in the car industry. Yeah, everyone uses simple ideas that they developed. Yeah, exactly. And as they put so much time and effort into developing these things, the cars they make obviously will be a bit more expensive. Mm. And they have to produce smaller volumes and they are because they only have one factory in uh, Trolletan. Yeah. And yeah, ex- essentially I think that was a problem. But if I return to the IVI, from what I've seen of the, their system icon, I think it's very, very nifty. Well, ob- obviously I haven't heard so much about it. I've only seen some videos and screenshots of it. But if they had implemented it in, in a real car, I think it would have been really interesting to try out at least i haven't heard anything about ego in ivi as you speak of but i'm sure that will be interesting as well because that's really the thing with it all over the place right now the latest years more and more it has gone mobile and that's not hard to see because people don't want clumsy desktop computers so much anymore because they don't use all that power that you get with a desktop they rather have a netbook or a smartphone Yeah, everyone's just surfing the net more or less right now. Yeah, exactly. And the main thought behind a functional IVI, as I see it, is that you can integrate with it. You can integrate with your smartphone with your IVI, your netbook with your IVI, so you can sync uh, things together. The problem has been a long time that there are so many closed and separate systems so that you can't really get get them into each other. You can sync files via Bluetooth and USB, but really it's nothing more than that. And it would be better if it ha- if you could uh, synchronize it more tightly. And if you use a, a platform as Amigo for uh, for this, and you also have it in your phone, probably you it will be a lot easier for you to actually integrate. Yeah, and, uh, wasn't that the when the first Intel and Nokia started talking about Amigo? That was the general idea that was supposed to. You could run Migo on any platform, and just mm-hmm. if you want to more or less move your uh, the movie you were looking at, if you were leaving the house from the TV to the uh, mobile phone or whatever mm-hmm. device you were you wanted to use. But yeah. on the other hand, it looks like uh, Android is moving in that direction too, with the uh, Google postponing Google TV, and uh, mm-hmm. with the latest version they can run on just much bigger screens. Yeah. There have been different attempts to use Android in TV sets. There is a manufacturer, I think it's from Sweden too. Mm. Isn't it Lava? Yeah, I think so. They tried it. Yeah, I've heard about it. Maybe they have been paused in the area they were talking about being first. Yeah, but if if you look at it generally and more and more companies have, I think at least, realized this, that you really have to get away from these separate systems and separate devices. You have your TV and to at your TV you have your PlayStation or Xbox or whatever media console you use. And you have a computer and you have a telephone and you have a laptop. But we have seen with, for example, Samsung's uh, smart TV, Boxy, they have come in the, in the past year. They have been presented quite some different alternatives where you can, well, in this case, sync everything in your network together. And that thought, I think, are want to get into the 
these vehicle systems as well. Yes, everyone wants the bit of the cake. But I'm quite skeptical to this, actually. Alright, I can understand why you would want your phone to interact with your car. That you would like your car to be a like an extension of your phone, so you can make phone calls without having to touch your phone or wear a headset or something like that. So that is a, a, a function I can understand. And you can sync your, I don't know, playlists and s- such things, so you can continue listening to what you had in in your earbud outside of the car when you get into the car and you go out on the road. Sure, there are stuff there that is convenient and nice to use but actually how much interaction do you really need with your car well think about it how much interaction do you use when you just drive to work maybe you change the seat and uh, especially more expensive cars they have uh, electric maneuvering of the seat so instead of touching a button for that you have a, a touch button on your screen with your operating system and this share is immediately set to your settings and there are a lot of buttons for the AC unit and quite a lot of buttons for the radio set. Isn't it right? Or am I am I wrong? No, you are correct. And of course, if you have your phone with you, the car knows who you are. It's sort of an identification. And thus, the seat could be automatically reclined as much as you left it when you got out of the car last time even if your wife or your friend borrowed the car in the meantime doesn't matter because the car knows this is you yeah you like the car at this temperature you like this channel preset on the stereo you and your wife can have different preset channels on the car stereo if you like yeah all right yeah sure i can see that as a, a source of good interaction with your car but still it sounds like something that is a pure luxury. It's an indulgence. Yeah, of yeah, course it is. Of course. And it sounds like some sort of security risk as well. Do we actually want our car to be that smart? When will the hackers get into our cars? Well, you really have to think about also that much of this is, of course, marketing and branding. If you look at, for, for example, as we were discussing, Saab's system icon, they briefly wrap it up by saying that they claim that they are the first in the car industry to combine the best from smartphone applications with the possibilities in an infotainment system. So if you scale it down, smartphones are very hip at the moment. They are new, more or less new and apps and different gadgets are the thing right now. And if you as a car brand want to stand out, market, yeah, exactly. Stand out and market yourself on, for example, a car exhibition with your concept car. Have a software in the car where you combine a smartphone interface with an infotainment system. So you get all these things that you have in your phone. You have your browser, you have your media player, you have radio, you have an app store connected and uh, all these things that you mainly use on a phone but now they integrate it also into the car. Okay, maybe the need isn't there. At least right now it isn't. But for a concept at least it's good promotion for the brand. And it has always been been like that. Yeah, that's right. And initially, the consumers will probably demand it. They will get used to taking their pads with them to interact in the cars. And then in some near future, they will think that, why do I have to have my pad in my lap when it can be built into the car right away? So mm-hmm. initially, we, we will get there. But there is actually one thing that the man- car manufacturers want with this. Because 
a car, you try to get as low weight as possible. The only thing you want to weigh is the security part, more or less, in the, the car. But if you can have as little weight with you as possible, with cables and everything, it will save gas, which is what every car manufacturer trying to get as little as possible right now. And that has been a big problem for, for a long time, at least in home information technology and electronical devices. You have to use different cables for different things, and you have to use a lot of cables if you have a lot of devices. And more and more they are trying to get this get away from this problem. Definitely. And it's especially a big deal in a car because if it is somewhere you don't want cables all over the place, it's when you're driving because it can be a safety risk. Yeah. So that's appealed of it as well. Most definitely. Where have you gone, Kenneth? I miss your opinions. No, I just enjoy listening to you guys. <laughs> you have interesting thoughts regarding this subject. And I can't really say that you are wrong. But as I was saying before, this is making our cars more vulnerable. Yeah. Because even though, of course, we are not putting Windows systems, at least, in our cars. <laughs> <laughs> thankfully. Still, no system is completely secure. We had last summer, I believe, some reports of hacks being done through the tire sensor systems. So that someone could actually drive up alongside your car and get into your car's main computer, the brain in the car that controls all these little systems, and they could get in there and change temperature and all those kind of things and actually give you false readings through the sensors located at each tire to measure the tire pressure. Yeah. And with a more intelligent car, of course, this wouldn't be... It wouldn't be a harder thing to do. It would be easier. Mm. Yes, of course. But and if you combine that with, with what Saab did, I think you sent me that link, uh, Henrik. Yeah. They were doing some kind of self-driving version of a Saab. Yeah. And Google has made self-driving cars. Yeah. So how long will it take until someone can hack into your car on the highway and activate yeah. your brakes? The experiment that I sent you with Saab was some experiment conducted by two people at Chalmers. A technical university in Gothenburg in Sweden. Yeah, university. Yeah, exactly, in Gothenburg. And the thing about that system, as they call it RoboSob, was that <laughs> when you test drive your concept cars or your car models, uh, sometimes you don't want the human error to get in the picture. Sometimes you want the car to drive exactly the same circuit, exactly the same speed every time, so that you can measure things correctly. And that was what the system was built for, to use in testing. It was not the appeal of having it in traffic. But that's... All right, it wasn't an autopilot system. No, exactly. But, but uh, as far as I know, that's what Google are trying to develop with their cars. On the other hand... Exactly, that was the aim for Google. Yes, you won. A system with a self-driving car has been quite a long time now. Mercedes made a car that could drive itself in mid-90s. and had, I think it was... 16 cameras around it so it could auto run on the highway they were trying it in in Germany that we could change lanes and do overtakes and so on so that is not a new idea but on the other hand it's like when you find the first fault great example unfortunately is uh, Sony Entertainment when with their PS3 servers and uh, this extremely what I've heard or read easy hack that's made everyone more or less 
anti-sony when you get there that point when you find this it's gonna probably quite easy to get up a higher step in uh, in security yeah problem is there was a race between the hacks hackers and the security people yeah and that's m- much of the problem de- these days if you look at the car appeal with getting when they get more and more electronic devices that control the main systems in the car obviously it's a security risk and also it's a problem for the consumer who bought the product because then it gets more and more like when you buy a cell phone and and it uh, gets broken you have to get it back to the manufacturer for repair older cars you can do repair most of the things yourself because most of the things are things in the car are mechanics but more and more they're building in computer systems that control things and then they often stop you also legally from messing around under the hood so to speak with anything there and you have to get it back to the manufacturer for repair if it's needed but remember that these are two separate systems we're talking about yeah yeah that is the in-vehicle infotainment system with your gps Mm. and all of that and it's the the brain of the car which actually controls the engines uh, throughput and all of that Mm. and the danger is if these two systems merge which i guess they should be doing right about now because they are trying to put two very advanced computers in a car of course they are trying to make it cheaper by mm. only putting in one expensive yeah. computer thing is will they really do that attempt to combine these two because of the risk because as we speak about it hopefully the designers have thought of it too and because of the risk that you it might, could might uh, that, yes. <laughs> the risk that it could uh, d- develop with Especially with uh, just a mobile phone connection, yeah. they could stop traffic. Well, a hacker could stop traffic in a big city just by click of a button. Exactly. Or if you buy a phone with Windows Phone 7, System 7 operating system, it might crash your car. <laughs> you don't know <laughs> that. But yeah, that's mainly the moral and ethical aspect of computers and cars. And, w- and as we were talking about auto-driving cars, even if it works theoretical and practical... And even if they would fix potential security breaches, so they are one step before and when they think about this, even then I think it would be really hard to launch a product like that, a car that drives itself. Because legally and ethically it's very hard to take that leap from having the driver responsible and and controlling the car to, to the step that the car controls itself. Why? Sorry. How much time have you flown a plane? I? Yeah. How many times have I flied? Yeah. Uh, none? I don't mean I've flown a plane as a pilot, I as a passenger. <laughs> I haven't... Fl- I haven't f- I <laughs> well, I haven't flown any time. I've been in yeah. three countries. You've never been on a plane, Henrik? No, I've been in Denmark, Norway and Sweden. I've never been on a plane, thank you. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, if someone's listening, that's know a little bit about uh, autopilots in planes they know that the plane flies itself and there are not much worry about the planes flying straight down for any reason that is the computers have been hacked although theoretically it is possible if uh, there could be an, any kind of interaction with the planes uh, computers you have a point there because w- what I think we miss in this equation is that 
an autopilot from Google in your car would probably drive that car better than you yeah. do yourself. <laughs> I'm sure, but... The problem they have to face is, as you mentioned before, Henrik, the legality of it all. They will have to approach this on a government level and get the governments to actually say that, yes, this is legal. You can have an autopilot in your car, which they are doing in different states over in the USA. So this is coming, even if we like it or not. And I would really like an autopilot in my car, I can tell you that. <laughs> Another thought, if I might hear what your opinion about it is. Mm-hmm. What we are talking about now is embedded systems. Yeah. I mean, it's a different when we talk about computers, your laptops, or your mobile phones. These systems you replace every year, every couple of years, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But how often do you change your TV set or your car? Well, it's a lot longer. Mm. It's a, a lot longer period before you change cars. So if you have software in your car, will that software be the same during your ownership of the car? Will it not change in 40 years? Or will it have some form of update function? Will that happen in the car, or will it be done through a mobile phone connected to the car? That is a security risk as well, I think, to have unupdated software. And you don't want an in-vehicle infotainment system in your car that is three years old. I mean, who wants a three-years-old phone today? Yeah, most definitely. But probably it would be the same as with when you go and change your oil, the... The shop will also check the version of your... Update operating system. Yeah, and exactly. So that will be just the same as, hmm. well, as I said, change the oil. <laughs> Interesting thought. Most cars these days already have some sort of software or computer built in. That's no that's no lie but to those, say that. But those but don't have any interfaces to the user, to the driver. So no. Th- those don't have to be updated. Or am I wrong? More or less, I would say, because they already have some sort of interface towards the user. Many cars have that. You Often you have some sort of connect your phone already to it, to uh, the car, and that's mainly to the stereo to get the audio uh, information into it. But some cars these days have a GPS unit built into the panel, and that GPS unit isn't only a GPS unit, but it's also a part of the computer software in the car. So, from what I know, when you leave it your car into service uh, regularly, they also update this software, as far as I know. I can't say that every car manufacturer does this, but I've heard about it, at least. Interesting. I didn't know that. This is a very interesting discussion, but still, to get back to the point where we started it all... Nokia and Migo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Migo is quite a good operating system. I like what I've seen even though I haven't seen any r- real gadget running it mm. before this N9 phone. And if it arrives in my car, of course, that's great. I would like that. But what do you think about Migo's future on handsets? Because I, I think that Migo still has a chance to make it on the IVI scene since there are so many companies that are backing it. But what do you think on the handset scene? Does Migo have a chance? Honestly, I really don't know, but at least I hope so. I can't be more... Why s- do you hope that? <laughs> well, 
for what is it half a year since I bought my N900 I've been using Mamo I haven't tried Mego yet but I can imagine it's quite as good as Mamo is probably even better than Mamo and if we look at Nokia because they are the only one currently who are using Mego I really can't see the point why they are, well of course I see the economical side of it but I can't really see why they scrap Mego all of a sudden and bring Windows Phone 7 in on everything. Of course it's it's marketing, that's what Microsoft want but I really can't see why they are scrapping it because it's a very interesting system on a handle device at least and so far on Nokia products I think it's far much better and simp- and uh, much easier to use than Symbian. I've tried N8 which run on Symbian and if that phone would have been released with Mego I think it would have been a huge uh, much better success than it was. Maybe not commercial success but at least as a device in its own I think it would have been much better than with Symbian. So I'm really not sure if, if Migos are going to survive on, on handle devices because Google already support and run Android and many other manufacturers use Android. Uh, on the other hand, we have iPhones with iOS and then we have Windows phones who really doesn't manufacture any phones on themselves. So they are they, they demand uh, or they depend or, on uh, somebody else who can make the phones. And so far they have got, uh, gotten hold of Nokia. And what do you think, Johan? With all the on-paper backup, Migo will definitely stay. And if if more people use it in the IVI system, they're going to be comfortable with it. They're definitely going to want to have it in a phone or any other held-hand device. But it depends on whether they actually get it on the market. Because, as we were talking about, we haven't seen anything from anyone as yet. But would anyone actually dare to buy the N9 from Nokia with the MIGO operating system on it when they explicitly say that it will be the last of its kind from Nokia? Yeah, I think there will be quite a lot of uh, Nokia fan users that will get it because uh, Nokia is still world leader in uh, mobile phone manufacturing. So they have uh, quite a lot of potential customers. But if whether that's going to depend on how, what happens with the Migo system, I, I have no guess whatsoever. I think it's pretty, if you compare with the N900, which was a very advanced phone, even in its UI, when I were looking for a second hand, what I used N900 to buy. Well, I read an advertisement from a 25-year-old girl who was saying that, a woman, uh, who was saying that this phone N900 was too hard for me to understand. I didn't even found the message function. But the N900 sold quite well, as far as I believe. It sold a couple of min- million units, 1.2, 1.3 million units or something like that. And I don't know the selfages of an 8, but I think the N9 will sell quite well. But if you look at the Mego aspect of the operating system... Even if I want it to survive, I'm not sure if it will. Because people who want to buy a cell phone mainly look at aesthetics and how it will perform. They only look at the surface. And w- when they look at the surface, they look at what's popular and what's hip. And the things that are hip currently are, of course, iPhone. And then they have heard of Android. And maybe they have even heard of Windows Phone system. And I'm not sure if, if Mego fits in the mental picture of a potential customer who wants to buy a smartphone. But Henrik, yeah. 
you have bought an N900, yeah. which is the only one of its kind since it runs the MAMO operating system. Yeah. There isn't any other device that runs that and will probably never be another device that runs MAMO. No. So what convinced you to buy the N900, even if you bought a used one, to get the price down a bit? Where did you come from? What what kind of system did you use before that? And why did you choose that system? Before my N900, I used another Nokia phone, but much simpler. I used their very basic model 3110C. That's a very basic Symbian model that I used for mainly sending messages, answering the phone, but not much more than that. But what I was starting to look into was, of course... I need a new phone because my old one was on the means of breaking together. And I wanted to update myself and maybe have the potential to get into some new habits of how I use a cell phone these days. So I wanted the possibility to surf the web. I wanted the possibility to check my mail, to run maybe different programs of my own choice, have some sort of camera that was pretty okay and maybe even a GPS unit. So really you wanted an iPhone? No. That was Why not? That was well because or an Android. I mean they can do all of those things you said. Why did you go with a me no a Memo phone? Of course when I when I look at um That's a simple answer. I'm sorry I have to take this from you. You okay. just wanted to have an, an advanced really advanced Nokia again. Yeah. You're <laughs> partially And there aren't really any advanced Nokias. <laughs> You're partially right there because when I started to look in what I wanted for a type of phone, where I started was, of course, at Nokia, because that's the only, more or less, only the only experience in cell phones that I've ever had. So Nokia was the initial start place of, for me to look. And I was very clear from the beginning that I didn't want any Apple product. And we have talked about that in early episodes, why? And, well, I was looking into Android units, but I really couldn't find any Android unit that I liked 100%. I was looking into HTC, actually. Uh, I was looking at the Wildfire model, but that didn't suit me quite. Too cheap. No, but there was these little small things that just weren't... Annoyances. Yeah, exactly. The, the screen resolution. I was to- to- talking to people who have used uh, HTC Wildfire, and one, for instance, said he had a slight problem with the screen resolution, for example. So when I took that into mind when I was trying to decide, I looked at the HTC model above that, Desire. But the thing that made me not go for that phone was the price, because it was, at that time, fairly new on the market, and it was too much money for me to to lay on a phone, simply. So when I was nagging it down, I really like Nokia, so that's one thing. And N900 was a really cool phone, actually. So that was mainly what I based my decision on. And it uh, had been on the market for about a year. But the specs of the phone was still in the same class as the smartphones that are released today. And in some cases even better. But for a much cheaper price, as I could get it in second hand. So, well, that was mainly why I decided on an N900. Not so much because of the operating system behind, actually. And this is more or less what you said before, Johan, that those who actually like Nokia and want good Nokia phones will probably buy the N9 as well. Yeah. But, Johan, you use an Android phone. Yes. Is this the first Android smartphone you have ever had, or why did you buy this one? What's your history? What's your take on it? I 
when I used uh, started using touchscreen, that was just Windows. It wasn't Windows Phone. It was Windows Mobile. But of course, anyone who used Windows Mobile knows it's a horrible operating system to use on a handheld device because it's more or less the idea of using a mouse to click and the pen, of course. So when Apple came with the, their operating system, the iOS, I thought, well, they done a really good thing with the operating system, but they done a horrible thing with the phone. They got they released the G GSM phone as the first product, and then you've seen how top-controlled Apple has been by Stephen Jobs. So I wanted a system that was easy to maneuver, but also advanced, because I try to be an endline user, but also someone that's not an endline user should, should be able to explain it to in an easy way. So that's a really good operating system. So that's why I jumped from Windows to Android. I'm sorry, what, what mobile phone are you using? The HTC Desire HD. Ah, right, okay. And what will your next mobile phone be? I mean, you have some idea, I guess. What will you move to? Will it be another HTC phone? Will it be another Android phone? Would you buy, for example, an HTC phone with Mego on it? Or would you rather buy an Android phone, whatever brand it happens to be? Well, I'm not sure. You're open for suggestions. The development is going so f fast, and uh, I also locked myself up for <laughs> to the <laughs> operator I use. So w we'll just have to see what happens. How long a contract are you on? Uh, one and a half years to go. So uh, right. fr fr from that's that point that of view, it's uh, quite a bad idea. But on the other hand, the caller minutes is uh, included in the price of the phone, more or less. Okay. But please promise me you won't use a Windows Phone 7, Phone 7 System, 7 System OS <laughs> phone. That's highly unlikely. Thank you. <laughs> I just have to ask, the, the Desire HD, as you use, hmm? is it that model that came with with or without a separate keyboard? That's uh, without. That's okay. uh, Desire said. Yeah, okay. But how do you experience to use a smartphone with, uh, well, a, a screen keyboard as you have to use? Well, on this, it's uh, quite easy. If I have to use uh, one-handed, it comes up very smoothly. And they have done a really good job with guessing of the words. Because if you misclick on the button, it's trying to determine what button you were supposed to click on according to the surrounding. I think you know what All I mean. Right. And yeah. uh, then it guesses the word you were trying to use. Mm. So it works really well. And then you just flip it if you want to use both thumbs. So. Mm. The reason I'm asking is because on my N900 I have the possibility to use a screen keyboard. And I've tried that just because of not uh, using the slide so much. And the thing that I experienced was that the screen keyboard takes so much place of the total screen space. So Yeah, of course. Yeah, if I want to see something as long as I'm typing, I found it to be very crowded on, on uh, the display. Yeah, but that's the point of use having a built-in keyboard, right? You don't have to use it on the display. No, exactly. I have a slide-out keyboard, physical keyboard. Mm. But I tried to use the screen keyboard, and I found it to be very naggy. But the HD, it has... How big screen do you have? 4.3 inches. All right. I don't know how you can divide an inch into hearts like that, but anyway, that's what they write. Yeah. But yeah, then you have much bigger screen yeah yeah is there any other phone that has a screen that can match that size that the desire hd has uh, only the dell streak it has a five inch screen 
All right. But unfortunately, they're not so quick with the release of new Android operating systems. All right. What does it use, the Dell? Android. Ah. It, I think it runs 2.2 right now. Ah, okay. Yeah, but then again, when you get up to these big sizes, you're more or less going towards a small tablet rather than a big cell phone. Yes, of course. But on the other hand, you're probably more likely to use a headset of some kind. Yeah. Because you don't have the reason to pick it up. And for me, I'm just waiting for Google to finally get the voice command ready for the Swedish market because when I tried it in English, it has a really, really good potential. And if that comes, you more or less don't have to pick up your phone out of your pocket. Yeah. So then it doesn't matter how big the screen is. You just talk to the phone and it performs the task that you want it to. Whether it's typing a text or calling a friend or guiding you to a hotel in a foreign city, for example. It's interesting to hear your opinions, uh, guys. I would just like to, if you don't mind, add my own phone experience to the mix before we wrap this subject up. Yeah. Do you know what kind of phone I use? Yes. Yeah. What is it? An old phone. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> is it e- Nokia E52, if I remember correctly? That's true. It's Nokia E52, and before that I had an E51, and so on. I've That is the Nokia work phone. It's their high-end dumb phones. So it's not a smartphone. It doesn't have a touchscreen. It has an ordinary keyboard. And that is perfectly everything I need. I like Symbian. I can do SSH on it. I can surf on it. I can use Twitter. I can use Identica. I don't have any other real needs. I uh, use it as my podcasting device. I listen to podcasts in it. And I am dead set against touchscreens. I hate them. I really, really, really don't like touchscreens. They don't work with the way I try to use a phone. I want a keyboard. I want to be able to send messages without having to look at my phone. I want to be able to talk to someone and still appear to be polite. But on the other hand, I want to be talking to someone else on IRC. And I can do that with a traditional phone. So I'm not really interested in getting a smartphone as such. But still, my next phone will have to be a smartphone because that segment of phones that I like will be gone when I need a new phone in a year or so. There are Blackberries in the United States. They are here as well, but not to that great an extent. And Blackberries are... Well, RIM is going down. Just like Nokia. RIM is about to... (laughs) disappear from the market they're up for sales i heard someone say so perhaps they will be bought up by some other company doesn't matter i i don't know i'm a bit tempted by the n9 but i think i'll have to agree with henrik and say that i really need some form of keyboard still even though i will also have the touchscreen i'm in quite a tight spot But since I'm probably more or less alone in that spot, I will just have to gilla läget, as we say in Sweden. Yep. (laughs) Or maybe you have to change your habits of how you use a cell phone. But why? I'm not going to go with that uh, argument. But on the other hand, I've seen you type on this phone. And uh, I think you would 
actually enjoy having a quote-unquote real keyboard to type on. Well, sure. I don't have a QWERTY keyboard. I have the traditional 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, new row, and so on. A traditional... Um, traditional... Well, a traditional phone. phone. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, a phone keyboard. You know, everyone knows how a phone looks like. Mm. <laughs> a candy bar phone. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. <laughs> it is... <laughs> <laughs> it is a common phrase. <laughs> but then on the other hand, I really would like to have me go on a phone, since I'm a Linux user on my desktop. So I would, of course, love to have Linux on my phone as well. And I've seen what Henrik and other friends of mine who have the Nokia N900, what they can do, what they are able to do with their phones, and I like it. I have no more or no less than three friends, including Henrik, who has the Nokia N900. And they can really do some nifty things with that phone. <sighs> so sooner or later I will have to give up as well, I think. But I will continue to fight for my right to use a smart dumb phone. You can always find it in the museum. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, now you're just plain nasty. Alright, uh, that was a bit... Uh... Under the belt. Yeah. Okay, guys, this has been a really interesting discussion about in-vehicle infotainment system, about handsets, about Mego, Android and other stuff. I really liked it, it was interesting. So let us just take a second to look at the news flow as it is and see if we can find a few thoughts about things we talked about before. One of the things that happened recently was that Mozilla released Firefox 5. And you might remember that we mentioned that when Firefox has been released in a new version, the team who produces Internet Explorer has sent Mozilla a cake with an IE logo on it. And since Mozilla is trying to get more release numbers into their product, and they will release 3, 4, 5 major releases this year, they didn't get a full cake this time for the number 5 release. They got a smaller cake. It's quite cute and we will put a link to it in the show notes so you can see the nice little Internet Explorer logo on it. Maybe that was what Mozilla was thinking when they wanted to speed up their release pace to get more cake from Microsoft. Not unthinkable. That might actually be the thing. And that was even better thinking about Microsoft that I don't give the colleagues too much pastry. You think it's a, a dark secret plot to make the Mozilla team fat? No, I think the cupcake is much smaller than the, what it at least what it looks like what they have sent before. So if they're gonna they they get the same amount in uh, size, or they but just getting it more often. Okay, <laughs> I understand what you mean. And you, Joan, you found another new story of interest regarding something that I and Hendrik talked about in an earlier show. Yeah, you were talking about the Windows 8. True. And uh, these tiles that they have shown, the same as we see in the Windows Phone 7. And Microsoft had released this developer's kit for the Kinect to connect to the PC, as it seems. And what my thought was it if they wanted to make a, instead of a touch screen for PCs, especially now with these tiles, instead you have this gesture, because it seems like a 
if they're trying to do something very new and innovative, it's supposed to be. I could think of gestures to maneuver your computer back and forth and doing the same as we see in the. There was a, a clip. I think it was Microsoft's own clip on the internet where they were using the tiles. So that's my thought about it. We'll see. Interesting idea. What do you think about that, Henrik? Would you use such a system? N- n- no. <laughs> Not the slightest bit I won't. <laughs> but I'm just thinking about the way they would manufacture this more correctly rather than this little image that we can see here. I would love the slogan, connect, connect, computer. I didn't say it was a good idea. I said it was a possible idea if they want to do something really innovative. Yeah. I think it's very anti-Microsoft to do this kind of thing. Uh, Most definitely. But we'll see what will come out of this. And remember, folks, you heard it here first. Then we are at the section where we wrap things up. Aww. We talk about how to get in touch with us all, and you can reach the show at Twitter, at all... What's the Twitter handle? Altinomite. At Altinomite. <laughs> all right, there we go. Altinomite at Twitter and Identica, which is A-L-L-T-I-N-O-M-I-T. All in IT in Swedish. On Identica, you can use the group name A-I-I-T-R, which on Twitter translates to the hashtag AIITR, of course. Henrik, where do people reach you? You can reach me at Twitter by using my handle Warpfuss, W-A-R-P-F-U-Z. Ooh, he did it again. Great. And Johan, how does people get in touch with you? I'm untouchable. I'm out of reach. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Well, I can be reached at show, S-H-O-W, at A-I-I-T dot S-E. That's our show's mail address. So if you want to send anything to us, or specifically to Johan, you can send it to that mail address and we will make sure that he gets it. That's great. And today's theme music was very nice, wasn't it, boys? It was very nice. Yeah, really good. I loved it. And it was made by the Swedish artist Labd. You can find the track on Gemendo under Creative Commons BSA 3.0 license. And it's called Fiery Tension. And we are very grateful that he or they, as it may be, lended us this for this show. So I think we're done here. It's been an interesting show. It's been really nice having you on, Johan. And who knows, maybe you will get to come on the show in a future episode as well. I hope so. Any last words? Well, <laughs> not not nothing in particular. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was really interesting. Great. And you, Henrik, are you satisfied? I'm very satisfied, as always. Great. Then let's go out with a bang and listen to some music, shall we? Yeah. Yes. Goodbye. See you next time. Bye-bye.
You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HPR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.